This is our Pacific Northwest Music. We're going to be talking to local musicians, bands, talking about their passions and why they play such awesome music. Why would I ever want to miss this? Find us on Instagram or Facebook, Our PNW Music, or our website, ourpnwmusic.com. Skagit Valley, you don't want to miss this. All right, just want to welcome Chris Eager to the uh, to the radio station here and our PNW Music. Thanks, great to be here. Um, man, um, let's start out just like who the heck are you? Okay. I mean, honestly, like I, like Christine here, she knows you uh, fairly well. Yes. Um, and your music and stuff, but uh, you know, how do you describe yourself? <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up uh, in a very musical family. Um, my both my my mom and dad were uh, in bands um, throughout their younger uh, uh, part of their lives, and um, I kind of was born into you know everything from classical to country and and classic rock and blues and um i started out taking piano lessons when i was uh, first grade and then uh, i saw a video of stevie ray vaughn and that kind of changed my life um his austin city limits performance um and in particular the song crossfire um kind of i was i was in in uh like entranced by it and now, just to kind of go back one second now, yeah. did both your parents already play the guitar as well, or was it, were they singing? So my 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 mom is multi instrumentalist, um, so she sings and plays violin, viola, um, piano, um, and th- those are her main instruments. And my my dad um, has played guitar since he was about seven years old, or something like that, I think. And they met. Um, in the early 80s when uh, my dad had a top 40 band and you kind of needed a female part for so much of the stuff that was hot right then. Um, and so they auditioned female singers and my mom got oh, the job. Oh, it wasn't for her to be dancing in a video. No, no, no. <laughs> I've seen those videos too. She got, she got the female lead vocal job and um, I was when I was born, the band they they didn't want you know they wanted to focus on on me and um then my brother as well um so the 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 band actually quit then and they they didn't were they weren't actively playing music my my mom uh was really active in uh in the church down in mount vernon and so she was always you know having something to do with music and directing choirs and you know, singing for different functions, but, um, so is that why they, they got into piano? They wanted you to be the organ player at the church eventually? Then? Um, probably not specifically the organ player, but, um, the, I, what I, I'm so grateful for, they knew that no matter what instrument it led to or what, you know, music meant to me later in life that, that the piano and the theory that goes with classical piano lessons is such an amazing foundation for everything that you can build on top of it. It's, it's the best, you know? So, um, I took piano all the way up through high school. I didn't apply myself as much as I should have, but was that because of Stevie Ray Vaughan? Uh, in part, <laughs> in part, um, earlier on, it was more because I was such a, um, I was very into basketball and, 
a, a ton of other sports as well. So I was, I was <laughs> kind of straddling uh, being a jock and being a, you know, a total band geek at the same time, which <laughs> obviously the band geek won. Oh yeah. Well, that well I found out I, I found out I was only going to be five foot eight, you know, so. <laughs> well, talk about some of your musical influences when you were a little kid. Yeah. Okay. So when I was very little, um, it was, uh, country music a lot you know other than the, the classical music that my mom was always playing and I would you know dance around the house while she's playing um different Beethoven pieces and whatnot <laughs> on the piano um but I uh, my my dad went away from the pop stuff in the 80s because it got so synthesized and and so much um you know like it wasn't guitar based anymore. <laughs> and so he went to kind of the flip side of everything and went to country music, which was very like a uh, kind of an updated Southern rock and sun records type of thing back then. And so that's what I really started out listening to when I was really young. And, um, when who, I, who are some of the people then? So, uh, uh, Clint Black, Ricky Van Shelton, um, uh, Travis Tritt, uh, Randy Travis, um, gosh, the, and so many that I'm just gonna be forgetting. Hal Ketchum, um, which actually will come into play later on in in my musical journey. Um, but as I got to be about nine, ten, eleven years old, my dad started kind of breaking out some uh, like classic rock, a little ZZ Top, Led Zeppelin, Grand Funk Railroad, which is to this day, still my favorite band of all time. Um, but then when I was, I was 12 years old and I saw that video of Stevie Ray and that was the moment that I, I had to go home that night. And like, I really, I picked up a guitar that night. Wow. Um, and for the first time. And that was when you moved from jock to band nerd. That was the, that was the moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, clincher. Before we jump too far ahead, we want to play a tune and okay. this would be probably the perfect time to talk about your song SRV. Yeah. Um, can you uh, maybe just kind of describe what that's about before we play? Well, this is, um, so uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Stevie Ray uh, died in a, a helicopter accident after a show with Eric Clapton and um, his brother Jimmy and uh, Robert Cray. And this was in Alpine Valley, uh, Wisconsin, and the helicopter was heading back after the show that night to Chicago. And uh, the helicopter went down and it was like, you know, for so many people that Stevie Ray Vaughan was the the new king of the blues, king of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, guitar uh, god, really, a legendary guitar player. You know, he he was he meant so much to so many people and influenced so many people, including myself after the fact, because I was only four years old when this event happened. But um you know, it's it's just a tribute for for Stevie, and this tune is, gosh, it's it's like a, a prayer, really. You know, it's very heartfelt, and yeah. You know we miss you 
It's just not the same I wonder where you're rocking tonight How's old Jimmy? Are you playing a song? I sure love to hear you moan the blues Are the angels dancing? Do they gather around? Does the man upstairs ever let you turn it loose? Tears are falling from the sky SRV back in studio here KMRE radio with Chris Eagers and uh, uh, that was his song SRV and what a tune uh, tell me so I would assume that it wasn't just the lyrics that 
that were kind of the influence of the song was probably more the guitar as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And actually, so this tune um, is actually written by a, a friend and my producer who we can get to in this story. Um, so Eric Heatherly uh, from Nashville uh, wrote this tune and I was lucky enough to be the recipient of the, the one who got to record it and release it. Um, it had never been released on anything. Um, and he wrote it, he wrote it actually not too long after Stevie Ray died. Um, do you want to explain a little bit, uh, who Eric Heatherly is? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. This is probably a perfect time to do that because after uh, about six months, maybe eight months after that initial video that I watched and went home and picked up a guitar for the first time, I had another life changing experience, which was just as, you know, uh, a pivotal moment for me in that um, I, I found out or I, I came to the realization that this is what I wanted to do with my life. You know, the, the guitar is not just going to be another hobby uh, like basketball and, you know, a, a number of other things were for me at the time. But this being an artist, being a songwriter, a singer, a stage show showman um, was going to be my passion in life. And that moment was seeing Eric Heatherly on stage at um, the Two Days in the Valley Country Music Festival, believe it or not, in Winthrop, Washington. And um, he basically was a mix of Sun Records with kind of like 50s styling, uh, uh, visual styling, stand-up bass player. They wore two-tone shoes, uh, slacks, and, you know, like vest with a tie. And he had his hair, you know, his hair's like Elvis. And ba he looks like Elvis a lot, but played a green, Bahama Green Stratocaster and was just a total guitar slinger, can play everything from Chet Atkins to Stevie Ray, Brian Setzer, you know, all in between. And... That was that was another moment that I I watched stood there in awe, and I got to meet him after the show, and I was hooked on everything Eric Heatherly. Um, after that, and we have since then, years later, have become friends, and he produced this latest album that uh, that SRV is a part of. What's that album called? It's called uh, Show Me Show Me Where to Sign, and I recorded that down in Nashville. Uh, with Eric as producer, and the whole project is just a total dream come true, you know. Wow! So, so let's go back then to that um, that time over there in Winthrop. Yeah. Um, how old were you? Uh, I let's see. That was um, I was thirteen, um, and it was just like, gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. It just was everything everything that I have aspired to be since then it was the total package you know the the show he writes his own songs he's a great vocalist and a you know an unbelievable guitar player so it it was like a total eye-opening and inspiring moment that I've been you know it's it's paved the way for for everything i've done since 
And, and that's funny that you talk about that because I, I don't know much about Eric Heatherly except for mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. But um, I've been to I don't know how many of your shows um, with your band or single, but your band, it, it is a show. I mean, it's the whole package, just like what you're talking about at mm-hmm. Eric Heatherly was. So, yeah. So I can really see that now, you know, where you got that from. That's really crazy. I would imagine that you didn't just jump from uh, listening to Stevie Ray and, and Eric Eric Heatherly mm-hmm. uh, to just all of a sudden going down and recording them. There, there was some progression in there. Um, can you kind of talk about, like, from 12 years old to yeah. basically when you recorded that album? Yeah, so the, the time in between, um, I basically, uh, I spent woodshedding. The first, the first part, I spent woodshedding in my bedroom, going, going home every day after school and playing for anywhere from three to eight hours. What type of stuff are you doing in there? Um, are you working on picking? Are you doing songs? Are you cover songs? You know, yeah, kind of all of the above, really. Um, I I would put on a, a tune, like the, the earliest earliest beginning guitar players, a lot of them, you put on a, a song and um, just try and pick out exactly what's going on pick out the notes and um it's funny to think about back then versus the player i am today and how (laughs) how um just like playing playing notes on one string rather than using all six strings you know it's it's just it's funny to think back at how rudimentary um my beginning guitar was but i you know that's the way it is for for 99% of players. And um, so I spent the first five years or so not being very shy about playing in front of people and singing in front of people as well. And then my senior year of high school, I joined a Blues Brothers tribute band. And we had, wow. the, we had the whole shtick with, you know, a, a Jake and a, a <laughs> Elwood. And, um, you know, we, we played a number of, of functions at the high school and actually our, our kind of our breakout gig was the 4th of July show, um, at Edgewater Park <laughs> in Mount Vernon. <laughs> Do you remember what year that was or? That was 2000, it had to be 2005. I wonder if there's yeah. any video of that anywhere. <laughs> I, I think there might be. Yeah. I, there's there's definitely some video of um uh, they used to have a, a series, uh Kathy Fall at the at the high school, the librarian had a series, um, Brown Bag Tuesday lunches and, and kids could come into the library with their lunch and there would be some type of uh performance, whether it be music or or mostly music, but there was you know, other things to dance and, and whatnot. So you stage presence is hard. Um, I would imagine, especially for a high school kid or whatever. Uh, how did you, how did you transition into that then? Was that easy or? Um, yes and no. I, I, I had done, I had put on enough, um, rock shows in my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> playing, you know, playing in front of the mirror or in front of the window or, that I, you know, I kind of knew, and I think, uh, I think to a degree, some of, some of the stage presence and, and if you want to call them moves or whatever you do, it, it's, it comes a lot more natural to some people, just like music comes natural to some people. Um, but, 
yeah, it. I would I would never I, I I will say that I never really felt un, uncomfortable on a on a stage with a guitar and or just singing on stage. It, it do, just, do you feel like when you're singing, you're just kind of I don't want to say in a trance, but you just kind of get into the music and and you and it just comes naturally. You're not really thinking about it. Yeah, I know a lot of it kind of goes through phases. A lot of people say that they just go to a different place and they're almost not even there. And and I've experienced that, but I've but I also I try to stay very present and be as interactive as possible with the audience um, because that's such an important thing to me is is to not just kind of be in a cocoon up there by yourself. I, I love I love it when you can see the crowd from the stage. A lot of times that's not possible in certain scenarios, but um, when you can it's the give and take, you know, yeah. basically from the audience and the performer. When you're talking about the, uh, the rock concerts you had in your bedroom, I, I can't help but uh, think cause you were talking about basketball and that was my favorite sport growing up. And I, I mean, every time I played in my front yard basketball, I was always Shaq in my mind, you yeah. know, and I'm playing against all these different people <laughs> and I'm rubbing shoulders with them by myself, of course. But, uh, um, I wondered if you ever did that and did that carry on then to your rock concerts. Maybe you were that person in your mind and, Honestly, like, because a lot of times that mental practice yeah. is, is a big deal. People don't, people uh, tend to underappreciate that sometimes. For sure. And I have the, ex you know, exact same experience um, minus the fact that I was Sean Kemp or Gary Payton, you know. <laughs> those were my favorite guys. And, and those were the ones that I was, those were the ones that I, like, very young, you know, putting on, putting on the full, I had Sonic's. I had Seattle Supersonics uh, jerseys, and I would dress up and and you know play. I had a I had a basketball hoop on the um, in the door jam of our foyer in the house, and I, that's you know that's where I would uh, perform before I found music. Really, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start. Uh, we need to get another song in here. Okay, so let's talk about eating crow. Yeah. Okay, so this is one. Song. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, no one ever has, you know, that's what I say at a lot of our shows. I'm sure no guys in this room have ever experienced anything like this. <laughs> um, but this is a song that I wrote with Eric um, and a fantastic blues artist, a legendary blues artist down in Nashville at Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar. His name is Stacy Mitchart, and we set up a, a writing session with him. Um, and this is what came of it. I woke up this morning, something was cooking. It didn't smell right by the way she was looking. Thought I'd get eggs and bacon, a few hot cakes, butter on my grits, powdered sugar on my crepes. be crow for dinner and humble pie for dessert a few hours later on my lunch break grab my brown paper sack you know that i couldn't wait i opened it up knew i was in a fix she packed a key and receipt from the motel six for dinner and humble pie 
dinner and humble pie for dessert. She's got the evidence, there ain't no excuse. I'm on a bacon plead, but it ain't no use. She caught me with my hand in the cookie jar. My plate was full, but now I'm gonna starve. She's out, swallow my pride, and choke it on down. A steady diet of sorries, IOUs on the side. Second helping of loving each and every night. I start living right, I'm not leaving, go to church. I'm eating crow for dinner and humble pie for dessert. I know she's worth it, I'm gonna make this work. For dinner and humble pie for dessert. I'm eating crow. Oh no. Look out. We're back here at the KMRE studios with Chris Eager, and we left off talking about um, you, your stage presence. Uh, can you start talking about some of the first bands that you were in? Yeah. So, like I say, the first one that I was in is um, it was a Blues Brothers tribute band, and we initially just called ourselves the the Blues Brothers, and then um, as that kind of went through our this our senior year in high school um, for for the most of the members of the band. There were a few that were uh, younger, but uh, the most of us were seniors when we started the band, and then it carried on through that summer. And then by the next fall, um, our Elwood character and I believe a few others were off to college. Um, I started at Skagit, so I was still in the area. And uh, a number of the other members were as well, still wanting to carry on. And we decided that we would, you know, kind of step away, still do some of the Blues Brothers songs, but we stepped away from that shtick and we called ourselves Black Black and Blues, the Black and Blues Band. And um, that carried on for um, another couple of years. Um at various venues, uh, uh, one that comes to mind that we had a running gig, I think for three years, we played at the Lincoln Theater as an opening act to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which they showed every Halloween. Um, so we were able to go out and do f- three or four uh, spooky or, or you know, um, Halloween-esque uh, tunes for a completely raucous and rowdy crowd, and those were those were the best days of black and blues for sure. And where was this? Was that at Lincoln Theater? Or yeah, where, yeah, that was okay. at the Lincoln Theater. Yep. Um, and then I uh, was fortunate enough to be asked to join uh, a band that my dad had been playing with. 
Uh, actually, he he joined a band called Midlife Crisis and the Alimony Horns. Um, <laughs> just about when I it was a, it was a, a bit after I started playing guitar, but it was in the same couple years, you know, same year or so. He started playing with this um, very popular and noteworthy lounge band in the Northwest, Midlife Crisis in the Alimony Horns. They have been around since 1988. And are still around? Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, We actually just celebrated 30 years, um, of course, a year and a half ago. And um, so he had been playing with them for about five years or so. In 2006, the keyboard player and leader of the band, Rick, um, had a terrible motorcycle accident. And so he was out for uh, eight months, I, I believe. And they ha- he had seen a performance at Edgewater Park. They were the headliners of that 4th of July show and Black and Blues at the time because that was we, we played as the Blues Brothers the first year, 2005, and then the, I believe we came back the next year and it was Black and Blues. Well, he had seen that band play uh, with some, you know, prodding from my dad. Hey, come listen to my son's band. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when Rick had that accident and was going to be out, my dad um, suggested and Rick uh, suggested that I kind of fill in for him while he was down. And so I became the, um, the sub keyboard player for midlife crisis. And I did, you know, a lot of Rick's vocals as well. And then, um, when Rick was about ready to come back, their lead singer decided to part ways with the band. And I moved over to lead vocalist and played guitar. Um, and I've been with them ever since. Well, let's jump back. You, you saying that right there just kind of made me think about we didn't really talk about your voice at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did you fine tune your voice throughout the years too? Um, you know, those rock concerts you were talking about in your yeah. bedroom, was that part of it? Or did, did you do any kind of, uh, you know, classes or anything? Um, so the, the honing of my vocals was definitely a, done. A lot of it was done <laughs> in my bedroom along with, along with my guitar playing. Um, so I have, um, been very fortunate with, with my mom being a classically trained vocalist, um, and singing in church. Uh, I was able to kind of have vocal training in, in a number of different choirs. So never like Mm. one-on-one, but I, I got the gist of it very quickly and, you know, I'm sure there was... There was things that my mom has coached me on um, personally, but never like an actual lesson or anything that we've done. But a lot of uh, time spent in choir at church, uh, choir at high, at the high school level, and then when I went off to college as well, I was I was in choir throughout all um, of my college years, and you know that's that's hugely important because I I always I always um, Mark Farner is my biggest influence vocally from Grand Funk Railroad. Um, And, you know, that's kind of the beginnings. It's kind of hard rock and the beginnings of arena type rock. So very high, um, high powered music and high 
powerful tenor vocals that you know soar over everything and a number of different bands have been along that line foreigner and journey and um boston and just so many that um it's like the high the high uh male vocal that i latched onto and those were my heroes and the guys from tower of power all the fantastic lead singers from tower of power and so much soul that they put into their um their vocal stylings and um i kind of just along with everything else that i've done i've i've put all of those influences together and in, into what my style has become and i i spent a lot of time um trying to sing the right way which is really super important for longevity right because you can you can mess yourself up very quickly if you're not singing the right way right well and that is a big presence in your family too because your sister's the choir teacher at burlington high school right this is my uh cousin cousin oh your yes. cousin. i thought she was your sister no i just i just have uh my brother mason and and she is um hannah is on my dad's side my uh first cousin who is the yeah the the choir teacher at burlington Edison. yeah shout out to her because she was my daughter's favorite teacher <laughs> nice <laughs> Right on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about. I know you wanted to also play. It, so uh, the the songs we, we've played so far have been in studio, and this one will be too. Uh, playing right here at KM, KMRE. Uh, one more town. Can you talk about that song before you play it? Yeah. So this kind of coincides with where we are in the storyline, anyway. Um, huh. Our uh, so we're up to midlife crisis in the Alimony Horns. That's 2006, uh, 2007. I decided to start my own band. Uh, the Chris Eager band and um, my dad moved from guitar uh, over to bass specifically for for this project and um, we brought in a, kind of a full circle moment we we brought in the drummer from Casino which was the band that my dad had in the 80s that my mom uh, joined as lead vocalist and uh, so we brought in the drummer um, and of course, uh, I'm pretty, Gary Riggle. That's his name, Gary Riggle. So he was the original drummer for the Chris Eager band. Um, and then we went through. Uh, my actually, Gary left. Gary left the band in 2009. I brought in my one of my best friends, uh, Kyle Eaton, who went uh, to Central with me um, at the time. He was going to Central with me, and we brought him in. Uh, really. Uh, amazing guy and extremely capable drummer and um he went off into the marines and we found um we found a bellingham native uh mr mark clark and he's been with us ever since and huge shout out to uh, mark and diane and we um we're very fortunate to have mark as our as our fantastic drummer. Um, and that leads us to the first Chris Eager Band album, which was uh, recorded in 2010 and 2011 in my home studio. And one of the tunes that we put on is a, a song that I wrote about um, blustery nights in Anacortes. It seemed like every time we would play, as a matter of fact, the first Chris Eager Band gig was in Anacortes, and it 
poured down rain on us the entire set and it seemed it was a running joke in the band every time we would play an anacortis it would be horrible weather and so that's kind of leads up to part of the lyrical content of this tune so this is one more town Wind's blowing hard and it's a cold one When I roll into town But it's about to get a lot warmer Even though the sun's gone down You ain't never ever seen me You don't know my name But you'll know exactly who I am Just the same I've been living fast like a renegade out here on the line Riding hard like an outlaw all the time I will steal your kisses like a bandit Whenever I'm around Then I'll strap on my old six-string And hit the road For one more town lonely out here on the highway but I get by on just a memory whiskey shot and I'm okay now every ride is a wild one take my hand if you want to come may not know where I'm going but you know where I'm coming from I've been living fast like a renegade out here on the line Well, I'm riding hard Like an outlaw all the time I will steal your kisses Like a bandit Whenever I'm around Yeah, I strap on my old six-string And hit the road For one more town like a renegade out here on the line and riding hard like an outlaw all the time I will steal your kisses like a bandit whenever I'm around I strap on my old six string and hit the road of one more town
So we're back here at the KMRE studios with Chris Eager. Um, you were talking uh, before the break or before the song about your band, the Chris Eager Band, and how that became about. Now, you have horns there sometimes. Is that the horns from the Midlife Crisis Band, the Alimony Horns, or is this yeah, a so, different group of horns? Uh, a, f- a couple of them are doing double duty. Um, the horn players for my band, uh, which... Alimony, Alimony Horns usually well, do double duty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we... We have a slightly different name is Chris Eager Band and the featuring the Powerhouse Horns. The Powerhouse Horns are uh, Pete Kirkman on trumpet and Mike West on tenor saxophone. And um, they, over the years, have, have done a, a number of gigs with Midlife Crisis as well. Yeah. Well, what's next? I mean, so you've obviously done some things on your own as well. Um, so, so, but the Chris Eager, Eager Band is still a thing. So yes. What, what's the difference there? Well, I've I've kind of branched out um, in the last half dozen years or so um, into doing uh, single acoustic shows, which are nice for a few reasons. I, I it's easy to um, pick up new material, and you know a lot of a lot of tunes I will hear on the radio like the day of an acoustic gig and just say, Hmm, that seems like something I want to do tonight and go learn it. And and it's that easy. Like it's that fast, you know, it's not like on your own. It's I'm on my own and I, I don't have to, um, you know, rehearse the uh, tunes with, with other guys that have schedules and stuff like that. And it's, it's, so it's a, it's just a breath of fresh air to be able to be so spontaneous with it. Um, and, it's uh challenging it's it's a bit it's challenging in different ways but you know to be alone and you know so um uh, a lot of intimate settings and and very uh vulnerable in the sense that there's nothing covering up what you're putting out you know it's it's just acoustic guitar and and my vocals and so, so let's branch off from that then when we're talking about um, being alone um, with yeah. this COVID situation um, where your band hasn't been able to play and you've um, you've developed something really fun. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about this. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when the shutdown uh, came about, I felt it was uh, an opportunity for me to do something that I've had in the back of my mind for a number of years ever since I started playing drums, which was uh, kind of back in the, in the high school days, black and blues era, if you will. <laughs> um, so I, I, of course, had background in, in piano and keyboards, and um, I had dabbled in bass as well over the years just because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly similar to playing guitar i mean it if you have one down it's a massive advantage in picking up the other i believe um and so i had those instruments and when i picked up drums and started uh you know kind of honing my skills on a drum kit um i had the idea of being able to do some type of visual some type of video where i'm performing a song by myself um, but have all, you know, a, a, a bunch of different parts, bass, drums, 
guitars, keyboards, vocals, all of the above. And this seemed like the perfect opportunity to actually put that into reality. And I uh, phoned my good buddy, uh, Richard Williams, down at Plumtree Recording Studio in Stanwood. And, you know, we we set it up to where we could be social distancing and and um, one guy in, in the studio playing the instruments and one guy on the board and running and engineering and mixing. And, you know, that's we're, we're keeping it as bare bones as possible. And it's uh, the, the premise is one take, uh, one take weekly, which basically means the performance on any given instrument is done without any cuts. Um, the, from start to finish, you're able to visually see that exactly what I'm playing on that take is what you hear on the mix. And it's amazing what a good mix like Richard Williams is so capable of putting together. Um, you know, it can, it can hide mistakes maybe, or, or (laughs) (laughs) just bring out, um, amazing things and performances that um, you wouldn't necessarily hear just sitting live in the studio. And I think it's a really cool look into what recording set, what a recording session in a studio is for, for a band. And so people who are listening to this, that may not know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. These are our videos where it kind of reminds me of those zoom videos, you know, where yeah. you've got, you know, five or six different, um, uh, views going on at the same time in each view as you playing uh the different instruments mm-hmm. um and we they've got you've got them on facebook on your facebook page I correct do. Yep. we'll share a couple of them onto our pnw music page mm-hmm. um and then people can click on it and go to your links and and be able to see all of them i know that i i think at the beginning you were doing them in a certain order um was it oh, i can't remember are what you it was. are you comparing his videos, the Zoom calls, no, which nobody likes. Everybody just, hates Zoom calls right now. Hey, go on Facebook and watch his Zoom calls. I, just, I am such a visual creature, you know, and I can listen to people it's kind say of a something. Bunch but, it's like, but yeah, I'm trying to speak to my people. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> my, um, my visual people. There's multiple panels um, yeah. uh, on the screen at one time, and you're you're able to see me play a perf- uh, perform a song. On multiple different instruments at all at once, at the same time. you know, because it's it, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's very cool, and I, it's with all the challenges that that the shutdown has brought. I, I just feel like you know, so as as so many musicians um, are creative types and and are able to adapt. Um, I think that the live streaming that every everybody is doing is amazing, and I. I I think it. I think it's not going to go away, right. um, even when things are um, back to more normal uh, times. But um, I, I kind of, I wanted to do something different, and this is what I came up with. It's it's great. I love them. Now, when you started doing them, did you do them, have them in some kind of order where it was like your top, so many favorite songs or bands or um, something? I- it wasn't necessarily my favorite songs in order, but they, I, I started off and I'm actually still kind of going through a list of the most influential, I, I guess you might say 
my favorite tunes by a list of the most influential artists or bands okay. in so my career. Say some of those to people so they know what songs we're talking about. So um, I actually I started with Crossfire by Stevie Ray Vaughan, which was the song that uh, I saw and made me want to go home and uh, pick up a guitar for the first time, the Austin City Limits video. Um, the second tune that we did on one take weekly is a grand funk railroad tune, which happened that this tune happens to be my, I, I, I call it my favorite song of all time. Um, and it's the first track off of their, uh, second album, which is, um, just a, a raw bluesy hard rock, um, really raw album. And I, it's my favorite album, and that's and it. And this song kicks it off, and so it's my favorite song. And and then um, for the third week, I brought in uh, my. Uh, I guess if you were to put um, a Mount Rushmore together of the most imp- important and influential artists or bands in my career, it would definitely be Stevie Ray Vaughan, Grand Funk Railroad, and Eric Heatherly. And so for the third week, mm. you know. A three-headed Mount Rushmore, if you will. <laughs> uh, so, Eric. Um, well, you're the fourth head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. pro- well, I'd have to say uh, a combination of my parents would be the fourth. Right, head. Right. <laughs> so, um, uh, Eric's tune, "The Wrong Five O'clock," which uh, has always been my my favorite tune of his, and has been a favorite of uh, Chris Eager band fans from yes. day one. And I, I, there's probably been very few shows in the let's see 14 years now we're going on that uh in the lifespan of the chris eager band that we haven't played that song wrong five o'clock yeah it is i've heard it every time you guys play and i it draws attention like crazy i mean the crowd and i've watched the cutest little old ladies who know every single word of that song they're so fun All right, well, we need to play one last song, and uh, this is going to be one off your album, so you're not going to play it here in the studio. Yes. Uh, which is awesome to get that, uh, you know, hear, hear, what, hear what you got in the studio, uh, you know, the actual recording studio. So uh, Last Addiction. Yes. Let's talk about that. Um, so Last Addiction is kind of a, I would call it a, a Rolling Stones-esque vibe, and it's uh, something that was written down at Ground Zero Blues Club, uh, the the crossroads of the blues down in Mississippi, uh, uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi, and um, it's uh, definitely a guitar heavy groove song.
KMRE radio station here with Chris Eager, and that was the song Last Addiction. What album is that on, or is it? So, yes, that is on um, our latest album, Show Me Where to Sign. Uh, it's our, our second album. It's, it's the one that um, was produced by Eric Heatherly, and we recorded it down in Nashville. Right on. Well, um, so I would assume um, as, we're, as we're kind of uh, kind of coming up to a close here, uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about, um, you know, as Christine was saying, hey, you know, check out these uh, these Zoom videos. I was only kidding about that. Yeah. Um, but I, I would assume you also have a YouTube as well. Is that? Yeah, yeah, they're right? all up on our YouTube channel, and it's pretty easy to find. It's just, uh, uh, I think you can probably go to youtube.com slash Chris Eager Band, and that'll, that'll take you to us. Right on. I'll put it on the, we can put it on the website too. So what what's the future hold then when this when phase four gets here hopefully soon yeah i mean I, gosh we're all we're all chomping at the bit to get back out and 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 be able to play uh, music in front of people there's a um a, a, a number of gigs uh, a lot fewer than uh, a normal summer but there are a number of gigs that we're still holding out hope that we can uh pull off a lot of the outdoor ones it's it's been a long time since we've been able to plug uh, like an actual show. So right. it's like, hey, right. <laughs> um, so, but uh, what about uh, then? One one other question that uh, I actually, as I as I re-listen to these episodes, it's kind of fun to hear. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about your influences growing up, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously, you're still probably you know I would assume you you're not you didn't just quit listening to Grand Funk Railroad, right? But what else are you listening to? Uh, kind of more on the newer side. Okay, uh, well. I would say my my very favorite um, artist that is like pretty current and and still putting out great uh, material is um, he's got a connection to Stevie Ray as well. His name's Doyle Bram Hall the second, Doyle Bram Hall two, and um, his dad, uh, Big Doyle, was um, a drummer in Austin, Texas, and kind of in the same circles as, as Stevie Ray and, and Jimmy Vaughn and all those great players, uh, down there. And, and Stevie Ray and Big Doyle, um, became very, very close friends and wrote a number of tunes together, um, including, uh, Change It, which Corey Vincent and I have covered a number of times. Um, and so his son, uh, Doyle Bramhall too just grew up um, entrenched in all of that amazing music and the Jimmy Jimmy's band. He actually um, 
was touring with Jimmy Vaughn's band, uh, the Fabulous Thun- Thunderbirds, for uh, a time when he was really young. So yeah, he's he's probably the. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, I always like to kind of learn because man, I've I've picked up a few just from that question, just people to kind of check out and yeah. Um, you know, these days, man, it's it's hard to really look and where do you find new music, um, especially when you're thinking countrywide. You know, there's like you say, he's from where is he from? Uh, he's or? well, he's from uh, Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's you know, it's easy for us. You know, you look at well, who's playing this weekend uh, in normal times. You go check them out, and you either like them or you don't. So right. But man, when you're you know, you, you can get lost in the tunes out there. So. Right. There's so many of them. Well, hey, thanks for coming in and playing some tunes. Chris Eager, appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to our Pacific Northwest music. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out next month. Thanks so much to our friends Jack Mattingly and the Whiskey Fever. That was the track you heard at the start. And here it is again. Wouldn't want to miss this off the album Oceans of Trouble. Go check it out. They're from Cedro Wood. Ooh, you. Wouldn't want to miss this